Hello, and welcome to the Anthems Podcast. I'm Patrick, and I'm here to tell you the story of a song that helps to tell the story of a nation. Today, we are leaping back across, up, from the South Atlantic to the North Atlantic, 9,699 kilometers, or roughly three quarters of the linear distance of railroad in the United States as of 1850. And I know that because the internet is pretty cool if you just want to learn stuff and look at cats. A better question is where that gets us and why we're headed there today. We get to a continent that contains 28 and 1 eighth percent of the world's countries. It is Africa, and we'll be spending a lot of time in Africa, because it's gigantic, fascinating, and literally the cradle of humanity. Although that probably won't figure into the National Anthems show all that much. I know technically we have been here before, because we talked about Seychelles, but that is a tiny little island nation off the coast, and you should listen to the episode, because in my mind at least, it's kind of its own unique thing. It's just, it's very Seychelles. I'm excited for this continent, though, because I will be learning a lot more in Africa than in many other places, because the small-town portion of the American education system that I participated in before college just sort of acknowledges that there is a continent there, and people live there, plus Egypt. Suffice to say that there are some gaps in my knowledge, and I'm looking forward to filling them. The country we are headed to is because of something my daughter wanted to know. I asked her what I should do next, and she wanted to know about Chad, because she wondered how a country could come to have the name of a person. And that gave me a reason to tell you about La Tachadin, or the Song of the Chadian. So it turns out that it's not a person's name, or at least the country's namesake is not a person. The country, officially called the Republic of Chad, is named after the Lake Chad. The lake got its name because confused European explorers in the 1800s thought that the locals were referring to the region as Chad, so that's what they called the lake on their map. But it was really just the word for water in the local dialect. I'm sad about this lake, though, because of what I learned. It used to cover nearly 28,000 square kilometers. That is 1.3 times the size of Wales. And now, humans and climate change, drinking and warming, have reduced it to between 2,000 and 5,000 square kilometers, at best a quarter the size of Wales, and worrying me for the future of the people that depend on it for water. In far more fascinating and happy Chad history, I think we can consider it as one of the very cradles of humanity— I referred to before. There are hominid fossils as old as 7 million years— in Chad. They're the oldest. That's not it, though. Scholars think that the oldest evidence of human pottery may be in the country's archaeological record. But we don't know yet. Just like despite knowing that most of Africa's languages originated in a band that includes Chad, we can't pinpoint the origin of the people that actually live there. It's also, I guess, fitting that I can't find a version of the anthem online that represents the official version and has both of the vocals and music as officially written. That's possibly in part because the government of Chad, as of October 2023, is in a transitional and authoritarian state. But YouTube usually helps me out with countries like that, and I really I can't find anything. 
So as such, we're going to change it up and Chad might even get a second episode someday uh, when they get a new government. But we are going to listen to a marching band song that captures the musical feel and official written music. And I found a vocal version and I will play them in that order. So enjoy the next four and a half minutes or so of two versions of one anthem. My initial reaction is that despite being very frustrated, I can't find a version merging music and lyrics as they were originally written. It is an interesting way to listen to an anthem. The instrumental left me feeling fairly flat, to be honest. I'm not sure if it's because the march somehow sounds subdued or if it doesn't work for me as a wordless composition. The vocal, though, I sort of love. My daughter said it reminded her of the Star Spangled Banner like this. I can hear that since it's the anthem she's mostly familiar with and it's generally sung very emotionally and with a vocal focus. Now, I told you how far away from Bolivia we are, 
But even to people that know the globe very well, that can be less than helpful, unless you're, like, super good at Worldle. It's actually not that hard to place this country if you know which continent Africa is. Chad is the second country down from the Mediterranean Sea. Helpfully, it is very large and ranks in at the 20th largest in the world, a bit less than twice the size of Texas, at 1.284 million square kilometers. That is 496,000 square miles for people from Texas. More specifically, if you look at the middle of the north side of Africa, there's an indentation, sort of like Italy just did a sweet hero pose landing and then jumped up. That indent is part of the coastline of Libya, which is the northern, it borders Chad to the north, with Sudan to the east, and Chad's western border is Niger, a bit of Nigeria, and Cameroon. The last shares the southern border with the Central African Republic. I got sidetracked on Chad's geography for a bit writing this. The country has three distinct zones, the Sahara in the northern third, a savanna in the southern third, and my new term for this episode, the Sahelion in the middle third. The last area is a transitional zone, as it would be, and leads to some really incredible biodiversity that I read a lot about for this episode, even though I didn't need to. But that's not what actually sidetracked me. I got really sidetracked because Chad is referred to or specifically, Chad's capital is referred to as the dead heart of Africa. It's because Ndajima is about 666 miles from the nearest seaport in Daula, Cameroon. Kind of metal, I think. But obviously, I wanted to know if it was indeed the center of the continent of Africa, and it is not. I define that, and there's some different opinions on what the center actually means. But I define that as the uh, pole of inaccessibility. That's my working definition. It's the one I prefer. It's the point that is as far as possible from the coast. Each of the continents and oceans have one of these. Africa's is in the middle of nowhere in the Central African Republic and not in Chad. Chad does have a population of nearly 14 million people. And they speak over 100 languages, and there's a similar number of ethnic groups there. And their history goes back pretty much to the actual beginning of humanity. Sometimes, I'm not really sure where to start the story, but after reading up on this country, I am granted a natural entry point. And as many of my stories are going to, this one begins with the entry of a colonial power coming in to exploit the resources and the people that were already there. So we get a little bit more of the chronicle of the dismantling of colonialism. Here, as you might have guessed from the anthem itself, the occupying country is France. Before they arrived at the very end of the 19th century, Chad was part of the Wadai Sultanate. This was an Islamic empire that consisted of Chad and the Central African Republic existed from 1501 in the Common Era up until the French moved in. That happened sometime in the year 1887, when they decided that there might be some riches further inland. At the very least, they were determined to exploit the people in the region as farmers and laborers if they couldn't find anything to take. So they moved east from the west coast, and maybe you'll hear about that in a future episode. 
Initially, their excursions were military, and they ran into a variety of resistance, as these things tend to do. The initial and most noteworthy resistance was the result of basically just one guy named Rabbi Az Zubyar. Granted, he was a self-made king, so someday I'm going to do a show about the interesting and mostly terrible people that I've encountered in the Anthems podcast, and this guy's going to get an episode. He was a slave trader and a raider that escaped Egypt and established his own kingdom and then decided that he wanted the French off his continent and went full in on getting them there. Clearly, it would be difficult for any of us to understand the lived experience of an Arabic warlord trying to maintain his own slave empire, but wanting what is essentially an invading army to leave is a relatable thing, I guess. There were a slew of sporadic engagements throughout the 1890s, and in the year 1900, the French finally succeeded in defeating the warlord. They continued a slow and gradual expansion into Chad, encountering fairly heavy resistance, and over the course of the first 20 years of the 20th century, just kind of wore them down with a more well-supplied army. At this point in the timeline, our composer, one Paul Villard, was just turning 21. Paul was born in 1899, not sure where. He died in 1986. He composed the music for La Tachadion. I'll get back to you in a few minutes on when. And he was a Jesuit. And that is literally all of the information I've been able to find about Paul. I'm not surprised that there is little in the historical record about this guy. He's a regular person, just like me and you. And people like us sometimes just do one historically relevant thing, or mostly the zero relevant historical things. We've run into this on my show several times, and it will continue to happen. Sometimes someone else involved has a far more interesting story that serves to move the story along, but here, that is not what is going to happen. <laughs> so our writer, one Louis Gaudrol, has an equally modest record. He was a Chadian musician. He wrote the lyrics with his students at St. Paul's School. He was born in 1922, and no one is sure when he died. Again, that is it about the guy. Unless somebody listening knows something that I don't and would like to direct me to it, which would be super cool, then I can add some amendments in. In, So, officially shortest story on the show. I'm kidding. we got to talk about the Jesuits a little bit, because both of these gentlemen were part of that, and it will inform us a little bit about the guys. Then, we need to get Chad to 1960 so Paul and Louie can get the band together and win a contest. I am going to skip most of the history of the Jesuits, because there is a lot of it. It is very complicated and that's not the point of the show. You want to read about it, there's a lot to read. Some of it is very interesting. But we're going to talk about maybe what the order of Jesuits, what a typical member might have been thinking about at the time. Maybe that's a relevant way to discuss it for me. At least that's what I think. And I am currently hosting the show, and I have not gotten enough attention to get like any feedback from my listeners. Or at least none that I can find. Anyway, the Jesuits are in order. They were founded by a group of Catholic college students from Spain in a Paris crypt and were envisioned as an evangelical army of the Lord Jesus directed directly by the Pope. The first seven of them were zealous, very zealous in their mission, and they 
quickly expanded the order through colleges and missions. The order was approved through a papal bull in 1540, and by 1548, they were already well into Africa. By 1561, they had baptized the king of the Shona people in modern Zimbabwe. By the time our composer was born, the Catholic portion of the multi-denominational Christian mission in Africa, that continues to this day, actually, was mostly a French affair, and they were observed to be using papal missions as political agents. We know that the political agency thing appears not to have helped the French all that much. More on that in a couple of minutes. But the Jesuits did have a lasting effect on the religious landscape of Chad. It remains a slightly Muslim-majority country at 50 2.1% and 44.2% Christian. Fully one-fifth of the Christians are Catholic. Evangelizing does not come without controversy, and this order has been accused of some fairly serious religious persecution of all non-Catholic religions, particularly non-Christians and Protestants. They also used slavery to support their institutions, although that's mostly Americans. And I didn't read anything about it happening in Africa proper. In any case, a person joined the order because they were highly educated, very driven, and very serious about what they were doing. I will let you make up your own mind about the Jesuit order here, because we need to catch the timeline up. So two very serious about religion and their lay vocation guys wrote the anthem as part of a contest. At least one of the men was a Chadian and they included a group of local children in the process. We can infer that they had at least some patriotism and affinity for the country. Jesuits took an oath of piety and poverty, so they certainly didn't do it for fame or fortune. Now, a time jump. We left the flow of events at when France had effectively defeated the resistance in Chad. Recall that the northern two-thirds of the country is Savannah and the Sahara Desert. It was populated mostly by nomadic Arabic herders. This was a very difficult area for the French to effectively administrate, and they were forced to settle for leaving the people mostly alone in exchange for basically reliable trade routes. They never really managed to get rid of resentment and resistance in the north, or even in the far better administrated, but still ineffectively administrated, south of Chad. In the most southern third of the country, the end of the 1930s, brought a cotton industry to the area, so there was at least some economic development and stability. But the French stumbled along, despite that, according to one source, depraved or incompetent did not disqualify one from an assignment in Chad. It was apparently so dislikable a place for someone to work that almost 50% of the positions remained empty. Then, Nazi Germany occupied France in June of 1940. Chad was the first nation in the alliance of formerly French-administered African countries that declared for the Allies after Paris fell. The lieutenant governor, Felix Abu, had some African and European descent and was concerned that colonialism might be causing cultural dislocation all over the world. He worked to get local people into administrative roles and return power to the folks that it's supposed to come from the, you know, actual people. It's an extremely progressive line for a French administrator to take in the 1930s and 40s. After the war, France's new constitution allowed for local elections and greater autonomy by French African nations. There was like a decade of political intrigue that we're going to skip completely and jump to 1956, when political inertia had led the French to give the nations more autonomy. 
coupled with electoral reforms that expanded the right of suffrage, it makes it seem not so surprising that a referendum in 1958 resulted in Chad electing to become a fully autonomous republic and beginning the chain of events that led to full independence. That is a chain we're not going to follow in its entirety today, because for our purposes, it is sufficient to say that France sort of lost hold on the situation, and Chad declared itself an independent republic. The first president was Francois Tombaillet, or Tombaillet, and in a story for another time, he fairly immediately became an autocratic leader, which actually happens kind of a lot on Earth when countries become independent. At this point, there is really not much more history to be had about the anthem du jour, la to Chad John. Again, we know that there was a competition after independence was fully declared. The rest of the story, should I choose to elaborate, is more political machinations that can get us lost in the weeds. No, I'd rather that we move along with the little information that we get about the Chad Constitution. Based on the other anthem histories I've read about, I'll guess that either the Constitution called for an anthem, but failed to specify it, or kick the matter down to whatever legislative body that it had empowered upon promulgation. We know that it was written with the assistance of a group of students at a boarding school in the modern city of Saar. At the time, it was Fort Archambault, or Archambault, a place constructed by the colonial French as a return point for people working on the Congo Ocean Railway. As of 2012, this was still an operational railway, although that is questionable now, given the general collapse of order in Chad. Watch the YouTube video that is linked in the reference number 26 in the show notes. It's pretty cool. It's about the, the railway. That's just about everything I can bring out of the story of the Chadian, without a great deal more reliable historical information that seems to simply not exist on the parts of the internet that I can go or the parts of my local library that I know. Sometimes there is not a rich storyline, but I seriously will keep digging because I, I keep researching all of this stuff. I just have more and more to do. Yeah, I'm obsessed a bit. I'm doing a show on national anthems. Now, we can talk about the song itself. The Chadian is written a la Marcial, or in the style of a march. Typically in 2-4 or 4-4 time, generally played at one 108 BPM. My metronome calls it Allegretto, and I've seen the sources refer to it as Solemn. It is slow for March. Honestly, though, the writing is better than the composition in this anthem as far as I'm concerned. The version we heard in the beginning is just my favorite. There will be some links to other examples in the show notes. Unfortunately, an official recording yet eludes me at time of recording this show. The song is written as chorus to open, then three verses each, followed by the refrain. Officially, the anthem is played as refrain, verse one, refrain. But we will consider the entire written lyrics for purposes of this episode. The chorus opens the anthem. People of Chad, arise and to work. You have conquered your soil and won your rights. Your freedom will be born of your courage. Lift up your eyes. The future is yours. An immediate exultation to get to work was a surprise to read, since the people never really stopped having to make the country function. But it does make sense that this isn't an anthem refrain. It says explicitly, we have won the day and gotten your freedom. You have had courage to win freedom 
and now need to work to keep your land and your rights. The last line in the refrain is typical of anthems, telling people to look forward to the future of the country. And we are followed with the first verse. Oh, my country, may God protect you. May your neighbors admire your children. Joyful, peaceful, advance as you sing. Faithful to your fathers who are watching you. The first verse is a bit preachy for me, but it makes perfect sense when you consider the authors. It's also definitely not the most religious thing you've heard here so far, and it's not the most religious thing you're going to hear here yet. It's to be expected, though, because this is an anthem written for a very religious country, written by a man that was a member of a Order of Jesus and his students at a Jesuit school. So Christianity is going to be in this anthem, and the order is going to specifically let people know that they should be Catholic. So the prescriptive tone definitely tracks. It's just that's because it is written by Jesuits. The second line is not explicitly religious, but it's on target because an anthem should extol the greatness of the country's next generation. Then we are returned to themes of joy, peace, and faithfulness to the people that have given you the country that you're celebrating. And the second verse follows after a repeat of the refrain. Race of the North and its immense herds. Race of the South who cultivate the fields. Shepherds, mountaineers, fishers, and trackers. Let us be a single great people who advances. I find this an especially well-written verse and really appropriate to the goal of a national anthem. Is honoring the traditional roles of a country's people. That's fitting. The geographical diversity of Chad leads to a diversity of people. And like I said before, there's over a hundred different ethnicities and languages. It's a super diverse place. Despite the wildly disparate population density, with the majority of the people in the southern fifth of the country, there is a distinct national identity. The song insists that the people will unite and head into the future together. And from here, we get the refrain again. And then we head into the third verse of the anthem. Hoe in hand, valiantly make your rope. See your children who are tormented by hunger. The fields before you wait for your grain. Let oil flow and granaries overflow. This verse reminds me a bit of La Desalineon, the very first anthem that I covered on the show. There, the author is trying to convince the audience of the values that hard work can have when it is not done in slavery. Here, it's a triumphant tone that says, we're free to provide for our own and resources of the land will be ours. So work, but for different purposes, kind of cousins or echoes of each other. Oil exploration began in the country fairly early on in the colonial period in Chad, and today it constitutes about 60% of the economy, which of course isn't really a long-term economic solution. We will hear the refrain again, and then the final verse. Your engineers will trace roads on you. Your physicians will make you big and strong. To the students work without worrying about the effort. Route ignorance and evil. Another very topic-appropriate verse here. The most popular anthems I've read about so far have been very direct and written by people that know the audience. Here, the audience is a whole lot of people that are tired of being told what to do with their country by somebody else. They see hopeful outcomes ahead for their youth. The people are going to decisively defeat the malevolent forces that have tried to take their country and keep it from them. So, strong and direct for sure to make a fittingly triumphant run into the final refrain and the end of our anthem. In several ways, this was an unexpected episode. 
It was both easy and difficult to write because of the lack of information about the topic at hand and the real interest that I have now got in the ultimate storyline of Chad. And honestly, a couple of religious missionaries really believing in the country and entering a contest to write a song to honor it is kind of a weird way for this to happen. I'm glad that I got to learn about it, and maybe someday you'll get an update. For now, the credits, of course. The writing, recording, and production for the show are done by me, and I wrote and played the intro and outro music. I used the music with my permission. However, I did not ask the dogs for permission uh, to use the background noise that you will occasionally hear of them wrestling. I also did not ask the traffic for permission to use their noise. My sources... Other tasty bits I found are contained in the show notes. This is mostly YouTube videos this time and some cool stuff I learned about Chad. For real, folks, email me some feedback or, like, literally anything. I badly want to know what it is that you want to happen here that is not currently happening here or what you'd like to happen differently. Even if this is the only episode you listen to and then leave, drop me a line. Give me some feedback. Come on. The most direct way to get to my show notes or contact info is at anthemspodcast.com. You can find me on Facebook or WhatsApp as The Anthems Podcast. I'm not on the rents of them as the show, but I am sharing these episodes with the social medias with the hashtag AnthemsPod. So if you follow that, maybe it'll pop up in your feed. I've also heard that ratings and reviews super duper matter. So if you like doing that, it would be super cool. In the last 28 days, I've had 16 listeners in nine different countries. That is small numbers, but you're going to get these as long as I can write them because someone else needs to hear my thoughts. I guess. It means a great deal that any of y'all are listening. So you can email me corrections, comments, concerns, recipes, ideas, instructions on how to do awesome things, ask me questions, send me angry letters at anthemsbod at gmail.com. Call me. Plus one, two, zero, three, seven, five, nine, eight, three, seven, five. And thank you for listening to me talk. I shall return. <laughs>